We are uh, beginning a new series called uh, The Blessed or The Blessed Series. And it's on the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 begins uh, one of the most famous sermons in the history of the world uh, called the Sermon on the Mount. It was preached by Jesus. Uh, and we have, uh, we have pieces of it in, in, in Matthew and Mark and Luke. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount has been life-changing for many folks in, in how they understand Christianity and grace and God's, uh, God's transforming power, uh, God's standard of righteousness. And the Beatitudes are how that sermon begins. Jesus begins in, in verses 2 uh, through 12, nine times saying, Blessed are these people. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to look at the first of them uh, this morning, and then we're going to come back tonight. And uh, look at the second one, uh, Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. I'm going to read all of them, and then we're going to come back and look specifically at verse 3, okay? Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we believe, uh, Lord Jesus, that you have great things to give to us. We believe, Jesus, that, uh, that you're a blesser, that you are the author of all blessing. And Father, we, we want to learn to position our life so that we receive the blessing of God, so that we might live a life that is blessed. Father, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would instruct us, you would teach us, you would uh, just just show us, Father, what we need to see. Not only about you and about the Word of God, but also about ourselves this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, nine different times Jesus says, blessed. Blessed are these people. Blessed are this kind of life. And I want you to think about when do we hear that kind of, of language uh, today? When do we hear people talking about someone being blessed? Well, it could be uh, something like a new baby being born. Uh, in our 8.30 service this morning, Brandon and Whitney Case were here for the first time with their brand new baby. And some of you may have, may have saw them in Sunday school. But uh, th- that's a blessing, isn't it? I mean, isn't that what, the way we describe that? We, we say, man, God has, has given you a great gift. I mean, here's a healthy baby and you have been blessed. Or maybe, maybe someone has a, a, just a great family or a great marriage or a great friendships. And we, and we would say of them, man, you're blessed with that. You are rich. God, God has, has put good things in your life because, because of that. Or maybe, maybe even Financially, a lot of times when someone does well in business or they do well in their job and, and then they, they rise up the ladder and they have more responsibility and, 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 and their business grows or expands, we, we would say of that person, that person has been blessed. So, so the way that we use that word, and I believe the way that Jesus is using that word, is whenever great and good things are dropped in somebody's lap. They're, they're blessed, right? I mean, that, that, that's a way to describe that. It describes someone who is fortunate, someone who is uh, joy-filled, maybe. A lot of times we, we use 
use, we use blessed as a, as a way to describe joy. Uh, there's one particular guy I'm thinking about. Every time I ask him how he's doing, he says, I'm blessed, brother. And he's got a big smile. And what he's mean is, man, I, I've got good things from the Lord, and it's given me joy. And, and I would even go so far as to say that I think a way to translate this word blessed might be to, to say happy. Okay. Now, not everybody likes to use happy and spiritual connotations because a lot of people will say there's a big difference between joy and happiness. You know, most of the time when they, when they talk about that, they talk about joy being something very deep inside a person, whereas happiness is something more kind of on the surface, you know, I had a good day, you know, I got a new something or whatever. And so I'm, I'm happy. I don't make a whole lot of difference between the two, to tell you the truth. I, I, I just, I, I think, I think I, I see that there's maybe a little difference there, but, but I really think that's the kind of thing Jesus is talking about. He's talking about happiness. He said, happy are these people. What, what I don't like is those Christians who say, well, I'm not happy, but I've got joy deep down, you know, and, and, you know, I've known him for 20 years. I've never seen it yet. You know, and so I, I, I think Jesus is talking about something different than that. Okay. I, I think he's talking about something that's visible in a person's life. Okay. And, and they're living the blessed life okay and, and and listen who doesn't want that everybody wants that right you're probably here for different reasons maybe i don't, I don't know why you've come today and uh but, but but no matter why you've come or what you believe about jesus or what you believe about god or salvation or the cross or heaven or eternity no matter what you believe about any of that i know something about you and what i know about you is you want to be blessed you know, you want to be happy. You want to be joyful. You want to be fortunate. You want good things in your life. I can't think of anybody that says, man, I, I just want to have bad things come down on my life. I, I want to be crushed by a bunch of, of just horrible things. I mean, nobody, nobody says that. We, we want to be blessed. We, we want to have the good things of life. And here's what's a little scary, okay? As you look at what most people in our world think of when they think of being blessed, Jesus is talking about something very different, Okay? And that's scary to me because what that tells me is somebody's right and somebody's wrong, okay? And what I know about Jesus, he's never wrong, okay? So what I know about, about us, okay, is that what we think is being blessed, what we think, what we chase after, what we, what we pursue, what we desire, often is not what is truly the blessed life. I think most people would say, you know what? Blessed equals having a lot of money, having a lot of possessions, having a lot of things. And that, that makes sense. But you know, it's interesting that Jesus says blessed are, and I think he uses this on purpose, blessed are the poor in spirit. And he even goes on in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 is really an interesting verse. And I'm going to try to unpack it and show you how, how they compare in a little bit. But, but Luke says, blessed are you who are poor. He just says poor. For years of the kingdom of God. I mean, and Jesus is definitely speaking something to, to shake us up. He's saying, look, you think it's just all about money or you think it's all about possessions or you think it's all about where you live or you think it's all about your job or it's all about a uh, position. No, it's not. It's something different than that. The blessed life is something different than that. Many of us would say, well, you know, when I think of blessing, I think of, you know, uh, having a pain-free life, you know, having no tragedy in my life and no struggles and no difficulties. Isn't it interesting? The very next beatitude, one we're going to look at tonight, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. He said, here's the blessed life. These, I mean, I mean he, he, he's teaching us something. He's teaching us that, you know what? What the world looks at is having a blessed life. Maybe having, being powerful, being in control, being the person that everyone likes. That's not, that's not where true blessing comes from. Jesus would go on to say, blessed are the meek and blessed are the persecuted. I mean, I mean he's teaching us very clearly that, that be careful what you seek after when you seek after happiness, when you seek after being blessed, when you seek after the good things in life. Because what you think are the good things in life may not be the best things in life. And folks, we don't want to live our lives running after something only to realize eventually that we're running in the wrong direction. You know what's also interesting about the Sermon on the Mount? 
is as you look, uh, just read quickly through 5 and 6 and 7 chapters in Matthew, you see some pretty hard things. Let, 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 me, let me show you a couple of them. In Matthew five twenty two. Jesus says, I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable for the judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable before the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus says you can be angry with your brother in, in, in your heart. You, you, can, you can let that simmer and hold anger against them. It's the same thing as murder. He says later that, uh, that, that you need to reconcile with your brother at all costs. He, he says in, in verse 27 and 28 and 29 that, that if you lust after a woman who's not your wife, it's the same thing as committing adultery. He says down in verse 38, starting where he says, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say you, don't resist the one who's evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him all, the other also. That's a hard saying, isn't it? Someone insults you, smacks you on the right cheek to, to turn and let, let him have the other one as well. Wow! Okay? He goes on to say, if anyone compels you to go one mile, someone takes advantage of you and makes you, make, makes you carry a load and, 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 and puts more stuff on you at work than, than you ought to have to carry, Jesus says, go too. He says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. There's some hard stuff in the Sermon on the Mount, isn't there? And you know what's interesting to me? Jesus starts this sermon nine times saying, blessed are these people. Okay? You know what that tells me? It tells me a couple of things. Really, really important. Number one, it tells me that God is a blesser. Okay, God, God's a God who is pro joy. Isn't that great? I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited about that today. That my God is the author of joy. He's the author of blessing. My God's not a God who's against joy. A lot of people look at Christianity and think, man, what it is is giving up all this good stuff so that you can have heaven in the end. No, not at all. God is the author of joy. God is not anti-joy. God is the one who brings blessing. Jesus wants you to have blessing. That's why he tells us the Beatitudes. And nine times, blessed are these people. He said, I want you to be these people. I want you to have blessing. I want you to have the best things in, in, in life. Come into your life, into your lap. God is, God is for joy. In fact, he is infinite joy. Psalm 1611 says, in the presence of God is fullness of joy. And pleasures forevermore. That's our God. Now another thing we're going to see real quickly is that that being blessed is not necessarily tied to the outward circumstances of our life. Okay? You see, a lot of times we, we just tie it to that. You know, when we think of am I blessed, am I not blessed, we just think of, you know, who's in my life and what's in my life and how much money's in my life and what possessions are in my life and, and the circumstances in my life. Am I sick? Am I not sick? You know, do I have cancer? Do I not have cancer? And, and that's the only way we define blessing. Notice that Jesus goes completely over that, okay? He, it's not tied to the circumstances of our life. You know, in, in fact, he creates, uh, he says, these people are blessed and, and many of these people are suffering really hard circumstances. And, and so it's not tied to the circumstances of our life. Rather, it is a internal thing. It's something that happens inside a person. It comes from if, within a person. The blessed life does. It's a work that God does inside of a person. And so, so let's look at the blessed life and let's look at it by first of all beginning with, with verse 3, the very first beatitude where Jesus says, Blessed are these people, and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now let me kind of muddy this up real quickly and then I'm going to try to fix it, okay? In uh, Luke, I, I want you to know this because I really grapple with this all week trying to figure out how these two fit together. But in Luke, Luke records the Beatitudes, but he changes them a little bit. Now, why would he do that? Uh, is it that Matthew's right, Luke's wrong, Luke's right, Matthew's wrong? No, they're both right, okay? Remember, Jesus spoke for, he preached every day for about three years, okay? That's a lot of sermons, isn't it, okay? 
and, and we know that the, the Sermon on the Mount was probably an all-day thing. We have what could be read in about 15 or 20 minutes. And so we know that Jesus carried these implications further. And so Luke is, is taking something Jesus said, and, he, and he's, he's pointing out the, the direction that Jesus was going. And Matthew is t- taking something Jesus said and pointing the direction that he was going. And so they're, they're both teaching about Jesus. That's why we have four Gospels, by the way. Did you know that in, in your Bible you have four books of the Bible that record the life and ministry of Jesus? Why four? Why not just one? Well, because it's so big. The life and ministry of Jesus was so incredible, so glorious, that, 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 that the Bible gives us four different perspectives, four different angles, four different emphases on the life of Jesus. And so, so, so Luke's saying, blessed are the poor. Matthew's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I really believe those two go hand in hand. And, and, I, and I hope to show you that this morning. First of all, blessed are the poor in spirit. Who are the poor in spirit? The poor in spirit are those who are desperate for God. Those who are desperate for God. Okay, that word poor is really not a word. I, I know when we think of poor, you know what we think of? We think of us, you know, and we always think I'm poor and somebody else is richer. You know, okay, that's that's really a horrible definition of poor. Okay, the word Jesus uses here is a word that is used for a beggar. Okay, a beggar. I don't know if you've ever been that poor. Maybe there's somebody in here who has. I've never been that poor where basically you could not provide for yourself. You had no means to provide for yourself and you had no way to go do it either. A beggar is someone who's completely dependent upon somebody else. And so Jesus is saying, blessed are the people who are poor in spirit, okay? In their spiritual life. They're beggars in their spiritual life. They are needy spiritually. Now, I bet if we would take a poll, I bet there's not anybody in here who, who would like to be characterized as needy, is there? I mean, that's just not something you want to say, you know, hi, I'm Jason. I'm really needy. Would you like to be my friend? You know, I mean, that, most people don't like to be needy, right? I mean, we, in our relationships, we don't like to be needy. We don't like to be the needy one, right? We don't like to be the one that always shows up. Ooh, I forgot my wallet. You know, can you pay today? You know, uh, eh? We don't, we don't like to be the one that, you know, never has and, 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 and always depend on somebody else. And, you know, I mean, we, we don't like to be that. Sometimes we are. Sometimes we have to be, but sometimes we don't like to be that. Jesus is saying, you know what? In your relationship with God, that is a good thing, okay? That's exactly where you need to be. You need to see yourself as a beggar before God, okay? A beggar. Again, think about a beggar. Think about someone, you know, I remember the guy in Washington, D.C. I'm trying to look around. There were some guys in the, in the 830 service who were with me. Anybody else on that Washington, D.C. trip? Ed Evans was there. Ed Evans was there. Uh, Ed, you remember the guy? We come out of Union Station, and, and we're walking down the street, and there's this guy begging. And so I pulled out my wallet, and I gave him some money. And uh, we had just moved here, just come to Lincoln Avenue. We were trying to buy a house. I didn't have a lot of money. And, and I gave him what I thought was a pretty, you know, pretty good, you know, I mean, we'd buy him a meal, we'd get him going. And he followed us for about two blocks complaining that I didn't give him enough. You know, I mean, he, he wanted more, you know, remember that, Ed? And hey, you know what? I don't know that that's a real good thing to do with people. It's a great thing to do with God. Okay, that's the way you want to be with God. You see, you want to be that guy with God. You want to be the one who's at the throne of God saying, God, I need from you, God. And when he gives, you got to say, okay, Lord, thank you so much. More, please, more. You know, I I want more from you. I want more of you, God. I want more of your grace and more of your word and more of your revelation and more of your peace and more of your power and more of your ministry and more of your love and more of the Holy Spirit. I want more of you, God. Jesus says, blessed is that guy. Who desperately wants more of God. Now, you're going to ask, well, pastor, okay, what does that have to do with the physical poor? Luke comes back and and he says, blessed are the poor. Well, you know, let me tell you, first of all, there's no blessing in simply being poor. Okay. 
Uh, what I want you to hear today is it, it's not better to be in the red in your checkbook than it is to be in the black, okay? Jesus is not saying that, okay? If he were saying that, I'm afraid of what would happen. You all would go out, quit your jobs, and you start writing hot checks. And you'd say, I'm blessed. You're not blessed. You might be in jail, but you're not blessed, okay? That's not what Jesus is saying. There's, there's no merit in simply being poor, and there's no curse in simply being rich, okay? That's really neutral, all right? But, but Luke and, and, and Matthew are saying a certain thing here. You know, we, we shouldn't assume that it's just better to be poor. No, it's not. And you know, some people have taken this so far. I read one guy, and I think he was doing it maliciously. It was, it was one of the Roman emperors. He said, hey, he had read this, and he said, well, if the Christians say it's better to be poor, then we're going to take all their land and all their stuff, and then they'll be blessed. You know, I mean, that, that's no, that's not it. That, you know, we shouldn't stop giving to Wismay. Tonight, we're going to take up an offering uh, for, in the children's ministry for Wismay, uh, the child we're sponsoring through World Vision in Haiti. And we shouldn't say, hey, Wismay, we're not going to give to you because it's better that you be poor. Because you know, Jesus said, blessed are the poor. No, not at all. What Luke is saying, what, 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 how he's pairing this with Matthew, is that when you are poor, when you're a beggar, okay? I'm not talking about you, you can't buy a, uh, the pickup you want. I'm talking about when you're a beggar, okay? And you're, you're on the street and you've got no place to live and no place to go and you've got no resources. You know what? You don't have a problem being dependent on somebody else. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Blessed is that person. A lot of times, physical poverty can almost bring a person into the kingdom. Many of you have probably read of great revivals in, in third world countries, you know, where a pastor comes in and people hear the gospel and they embrace it open-armed, you know? You know why that is probably? Probably they don't have a lot of the trappings that we do in America. You know, in America, a lot of people really have the idea, you know, I'm okay, you know? I got a good family and I got a good job and I'm a hard worker and I got a good mind and I got a strong back and, and I got a good wife and I got good kids and, you know, this God thing, I'm just not sure that I need that. A lot of people have that attitude toward God, don't they? You know, I'm not sure that I need to go to church. I'm not sure it's that important to read my Bible. I'm not sure that God's got, you know, I, I'm okay. I, I can handle it myself. Folks, that's a bad place to be. And sometimes, sometimes physical poverty can almost force a person to the point where they, they look up to God. And that, that, that's what Jesus is talking about here. In fact, if we go into, into Luke, I want you to see something else. Uh, Luke kind of clarifies what he's saying in verse 24. He says, Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. What, what Jesus is saying there is that, that if, if all your eggs are in the basket of the world, okay, if all you want is, is, is you, you just want a good living and you want a nice home and you want a good retirement, if that's all you're seeking, then your reward is simply here and you've not sought the best things in life, okay? You have a little consolation because, hey, there's nothing wrong with having a car that runs. I like that. Nothing wrong with having a, a heater that works. Uh, you're probably glad we have one here at the church that works. Amen? I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with soft cushions and pews. I mean, there's nothing wrong with possessions. But if that's where your reward is, if, that, if, that, if that's what you're, you're striving after in life, is that Jesus is saying, you have sought way too small. I mean, you've got the small reward that you, that, that you wanted, but you missed the incredible reward that God would have given you. Listen, folks, God always gives better than anything the world can give. He gives better. What God has to put in your lap is better than anything you can work for your, yourself or gain yourself or, or strive to get yourself or buy yourself. God can give joy in ways that the world cannot give. Hear that out, friends. God can give peace in ways that the world cannot. God can give, listen to this, God can give freedom from anxiety in ways the world cannot. 
God can bring victory over sin in ways that the world cannot. God God can give things in relationships and in marriages and in parenting. God can give things that the world cannot. And so the danger of of, of physical riches is that we'll look at our life and we'll say, you know what, I'm I'm okay. I'm, I'm full. I'm good. You say, well, who would ever say that? Let me tell you. We live in a world full of people who are saying just that. They're saying, I'm not that interested in God. I'm good the way I am. And I'm busy. You know, a lot of people say that. I'm busy. You know, I don't have time for God. I'm working and I got, I got stuff going and I got a business going. And you know what? I just don't have time for God. I, I'm fine just as I am. And here's the scary part of that. Here's the scary part of saying, you know what? I'm good. I've got enough. Okay? The scary part is God is not interested in filling people up who are already full. And so if you're full of, of you... If you're full of, of self-sufficiency, if you're full of, you know what, I can handle this, and i got a good life, and I'm doing fine, and I'm not that interested in God, God's going to say, okay. Because God's not interested in filling people up who are already full. God's not interested in giving more of himself to people who want more of something else. God's not going to do that. If the direction of your life and, 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 the, and, and, and the focus of your attention is on everything else, it's on yourself, it's on you, it's on taking care of you, and, and it's on possessions, it's on things, it's on other relationships, and you just basically say, God, I I'm, you know, appreciate you and all you do, and I'm all for you, you know, go America, go apple pie, go God, go country western music, you know, I'm, you know and you're, you're not against any of it, you know, you just, you just... Don't really need him. God's going to say, okay. But Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are beggars in spirit. <laughs> blessed are the needy in spirit who, who say, you know what, God, I, if, I, if, you, if I get left to myself, I'll blow this thing. I'll, I'll mess it up. I'll mess up my relationships and I'll mess up my marriage and, and I'll mess up my parenting. And God, I got to have you. I got to have you. I need you. And what Jesus is telling us to do here, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he's saying, position yourselves in a, in a way that you receive the good things of God. Okay? That's what it means to be poor in spirit. That's what it means to be humble. Okay? Uh, God, all the time, God is saying, you know, God, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God gives grace. God, God gives to those who are poor in spirit. With each one of my kids, I tried to teach them how to catch. Okay? Try to teach them how to catch. And... And so when they're real little, you have to position them to, to hold out their hands and to get in a position where they can catch something. Does that make sense? You know, they don't just know that by, by, by instinct, you know. Uh, Kelly knew that. Uh, I've heard Kelly came out of the womb with a little ball glove and he just, you know, right like that, okay. But most kids, uh, they don't, you know. And so they're, they're two and you're saying, hey, let's play catch. And they're like, yeah, you know. And, and they're just standing there. And if you throw it, you just hit them with it, you know. And it just seems kind of cruel. But But listen. If you take their little hands, and I, I, I've given this, this illustration before, I think it's a good one. If you take their hands and you put them together, you kind of cup them like this, and, you, and, then, and then you say, okay, hold that right there. Stay right there. Don't move. You know, and then you sit back, you grab the ball, and you throw it right in their hands, right? They got it, okay? But you know what you had to do? You had to position them. You had to get in a position where they could, they could catch it. So otherwise, you're just going to hit them in the nose and run down, you know, or hit them in the chest and pop off. And they're not in a position where they can catch it. Well, let me tell you, Jesus is saying, friends, get in a position where you can receive the things of God. Because here's what's true. Many people, many people are not in a position where they receive the things of God. 
You know, in fact, what the Bible says is if you're prideful, if you're full of self-sufficiency, if you're full of I can handle this, if you're full of yourself and you're full of, uh, of you and taking care of you and thinking about you and your inconveniences and your frustrations and you and you and you, and it's all about you and God is not big, but you're big in your own eyes. You are not in a position to receive the good things of God. You're not going to have them. It's not that God is, is lacking in them. It's just that you simply are not in a position to receive them. And so God is saying, Jesus is saying, get in a position to receive the things of God. And what that looks like is being poor in spirit, being desperate for the grace of God, being needed, being unimpressed with self and impressed with God. Folks, that's, that's where we need to be. Happiness is an internal condition that God works within us. Joy, the good things of God, the ability to receive the grace and the, and, and the mercy of God is an internal condition. And if we treat it like an outside condition, if we think, well, my happiness is all built up and, you know, it, all, all built upon me having the right things in my life. And, and I got to get this person out of my life because they don't make me happy. You know, get out. You know, you're out. You know, and, and this job, it's out. I got to get a new one. If we try to solve happiness like that, we'll spend our life trying to maneuver our circumstances and will never receive the things of God. It's almost like having pneumonia and, and, and slathering yourself with lotion and thinking that's going to help, you know? It's, it's not on the outside. It's on the inside. It's on the inside. And so Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Get yourself, get yourself in a position to receive the things of God. And what position is that? It's poor in spirit. God, God longs to give to those who say, God, I need you. And God, what you have to give is better than everything else. And so I want that. I want you. I want more of you. And Lord, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm ready. I'm humble. I'm looking. You know, poverty of spirit is, is going to manifest itself in a couple different ways uh, in your life that are really important. Number one, it's going to manifest itself in a cry for salvation. Okay? Nobody comes to Jesus Christ without being poor in spirit. Okay? There is nobody who is born again, nobody who is genuinely born again without at some point in their life humbling themselves before God and saying, God, I got zero in my account, okay? I owe you an infinite amount of righteousness and I have zero. I got nothing. And not only do I have zero, but I got no way to get any. And so, God, I got to put my trust in you and, and upon Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. That is my only hope. For righteousness. That's the only way to come to Christ. You know, as Miss Teresa and Pastor Chris talked with Sally, one of the things they talked to her over and over again was about sin. You know, because if, if you don't get your sin, if you don't see that you're broken, if you don't see that, 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 that you are bent the wrong way and that's got to be fixed and only God can fix that, you'll never come to Jesus Christ. You'll, you'll never come to salvation. But folks, whenever you get poor in spirit, there's a certain amount of motivation that stirs you on to come to Christ. Poverty does that. You know, if I knew that tomorrow I was gonna, my gas was getting turned off, I'd be motivated today to figure out a way to pay that. You know, if I had no money, I'd be motivated. I, I'd be going over to Winnie, seeing if I could rake her leaves, and I, I'd be coming to Bonnie, seeing if I could clean bathrooms. That, that's the extent of my skills, so that's what I'd be, I'd be marketing, you know. But I'd, I'd be coming and say, hey, you know, can I do this for you? Can I make a little money? I, I got a deal tomorrow. I'd, I'd be motivated. You know, when a person is poor in spirit, they're motivated to seek God. They're hungry for God. They want more of God. So the first step in salvation, before anybody can come to Christ, is you've you got to be poor in spirit. 
You see why Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit? Second of all, being poor in spirit will affect the way that you look at this book. It will affect the way that you look at the Word of God. Let me ask you, how important is this book to you? Now, now don't just answer with your mouth. Because you, you, it would be real easy to say, this is really important to me. But, but, but for real, how, how much of your life do you give to this? How desperately do you want to know who God is? How desperately do you want to know what does He say about life? What does He say about heaven? What does He say about sin? What does He say about relationships? What does He say about being a husband? What does He say about being a wife? What does He say about sex? What does He say about about sin? What what does He say? I want to know. I got to know the Word of God. How, How desperately do you want that? If you're poor in spirit and you realize you got nothing, you're going to want this, aren't you? If tomorrow... If I knew tomorrow at this very time, right now, whatever it is, it's 11.30. got 30 minutes left. It's not. It's almost done. Tomorrow at this very time, almost 12 o'clock, if I knew I had to land a twin-engine Cessna, if I knew that, you know what I'd be doing from now till then? I would be reading books on how to fly, particularly how to land. That's what I'd be reading about. I would pour over. I'd find somebody that had a manual to a twin-engine Cessna. I would find them, and I, I would read that thing. I'd figure out where, where's the flaps, and where's the landing gear, and where's the, where's the throttle. And where's, I mean, I, I, would, I would just soak up as much of that as I could. Why? Because it's going to matter at noon tomorrow, isn't it? Folks, let me tell you. To the degree to which you feel confident in your own ability to live your life... That's the degree to which you will not be that concerned about this. So if you're a person that says, you know what? I handle things. I'm a good person. I handle life. I can handle marriage. I can handle parenting. I can, I can handle relationships. I can handle sin. I can handle things. I can handle heaven. Someday I'll get before God and I'll handle that. This is not going to be that important to you. But if you're a guy like me, that is completely convinced that if left to yourself, you will mess it completely up for eternity, this book becomes pretty precious. Because I want to know. I want to know. You know what else porn spirit do? Porn spirit will uh, affect the way that you pray. Now, you know, when we pray, we, we, do th- we, we praise God. That should be part of your prayer. And we give thanks to God. That should be part of your prayer. And, and we confess our sin. I hope that's part of your prayer life. You know what else we do? We ask for things from God, don't we? We ask for things. We, God, I need you to help me here and I need you to give me this. And God, I got this relationship. And God, I'm trying to do this with my son, or with my daughter, and my wife. Lord, you, you got it. God, I'm asking for your help here. I'm asking for, for love and for grace and for patience and for control of my temper. I'm asking for these things. Okay? But you know what? Have you ever asked yourself, maybe, maybe you've never experienced this, but when your prayer life is not very strong, why is that? Why is that? Well, it's easy to say, oh, it's my schedule, it's my time. You know what I've found is that when people have a crisis in their life, all that changes and their prayer life gets really good. So I, I, don't, think it's, I don't think it's just schedule time. You know what I think it is? I think it's how urgent are you for the things of God? Did you know there's a health food store in Woodward? Anybody, do you guys know that? It's in that, it's in that mall on, on Main Street. I've never bought anything in there. Lived here 14 years, never bought anything. You know Why? Because I'm convinced, right? This may be wrong. I'm not saying it's right. But I'm just telling you, I'm convinced that I'm pretty healthy on Sonic cheeseburgers and Taco Mayo burritos. Okay? I might be wrong. 
Now, listen, I'm, I'm not telling you to go eat that stuff. I might be wrong. I might be a heart attack waiting to happen, all right? Now, but, but right now, I'm pretty convinced that I'm not, okay? And I'm, I'm pretty convinced it's okay. And so you know what? I'm not compelled to go in that store. Now, if I get some blood work done, and Dr. Kirkendall calls me back, and he says, man, you're a wreck on the inside. You look okay on the outside, but you're a wreck on the inside. Man, your cholesterol is through the roof, and, and your artery, there's a big chunk of bean burrito stuck in your main artery, you know? <laughs> And the, and the widow maker's coming, and you're, you're about to leave five kids without a dad. I'd probably go in that store if that's what he told me to do. I'd probably go in. I'd, I'd buy a rice cake. I'd eat them, you know. I'd, I would. I would if I knew. If I knew. It's desperate. I think the same is true with prayer. I think people who pray a lot are people who think, you know what? I need God. If not, I'll... I'll lose my temper. If not, I'll, I'll say things I shouldn't say. If not, I'll, I won't do things I should be doing. If not, I'll, I'll fall into temptation. I'll fall into sin. So I need Him. The more poor in spirit I am, the more passionate in prayer I'll be. Isn't that right? I think poverty spirit drives us to Christ-centered relationships. I won't talk a lot about that. We spent all last Sunday talking about that. But, you know, I think when a person is poor in spirit, they say, you know what? I need the church. I need brothers and sisters to stand by me. I need a small group. I need accountability. I need Bible teachers. I need a prayer group. I, I need that. I need God. God, I want, I want, I want what you have. You know what Jesus says? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know what the kingdom of heaven is? The kingdom of heaven is the reign and the rule of Jesus in the hearts of men. Did you know the kingdom is here now? Many of you in this room, Jesus reigns over your life. And the Bible says the more poor in spirit you are, the more Jesus reigns. The more you come to him as a needy beggar, the more he, he dumps his goodness into your life and he reigns over your life. And you experience the blessings of the kingdom, right? Things like the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and forgiveness and salvation. All of that comes from the hand of God. So here's what we need to do today. We need to position ourselves so that we receive the good things of God. What position is that? That position is humbly saying, God, I need you. I need you. I need you for everything. I want more of you. I value the things of God more than I value everything else. And so, God, I got my hands out. And I got my knees bent in prayer. And I got my my mind in the scriptures. And I got my my body in the church. And God, I'm I'm wanting you. I'm wanting more of you. Because I can't do it myself. Let's stay there. It's hard to stay there. Let's stay there. Stay in that position. Let's pray together. Father, I, I, I thank you that you're a God who, who gives. You're a God who blesses. Lord, you are the blesser. You are blessed forevermore, and, and you're the giver of blessing. And Father, we, we want that in our life. God, we need more of you. And so, Lord, we ask you to, to pour out your blessing on us and in us. And, and God, we pray that we might take a position in our lives that says very clearly to you that, that, that we want more of you. That we want you... We want you to pour out your spirit, pour out your your truth and your blessing and, and your grace in us.
Father, I pray for those who maybe for the very first time in their life have come to see that they don't have it all together. Lord, there's so many times where we try to convince ourselves we do. Um, But Lord, we're broken. And we need you. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.